hope you monsters are happy I turned off the fan in my bedroom for this. <clears throat> the Garbage Hour is brought to you by, let's be real, it's brought to you by Zoloft. They took her post off Facebook Cause some men thought it was rude But she still got a thing or two to say to all those shitty dudes here on the garbage aisle. Don't take it personally as we smash the patriarchy. Here on the garbage, here on the garbage, here on the garbage aisle. Welcome to the Garbage Hour. I continue to be Megan McGuire. Man, you thought we would go an episode without talking about Facebook. Well, fuck you, so. For the diehard fans among you, you will know that last week I released an episode called Women Are Garbage 2 about, you know, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Ivanka Trump, Kellyanne Conway, and the like, and how their complicity in an oppressive administration puts them above the law of women have to stick togetherness. I posted said episode on Facebook last Friday, joking that if the post were taken down, then it would be a historic win for feminism. And five days later, only six days after being allowed back on that internet hellmouth, the post was taken down. So perhaps twas a win for feminism. Perhaps I single-handedly solved centuries of women's inequality with my stupid garbage posts. You're welcome. But seriously, more likely at this point they are monitoring my account activity, or some unblocked individual is always ready with his reporting finger every time I post. As you, dear listener, probably know, the episode I posted was not a 13-minute rant against all women, just like most episodes are not a rant about all men, but rather it was an exploration of what it means to protect women and can we really not make jokes about any woman ever, even when they lie to the press and by extension the American people on a daily basis? I hardly get the opportunity to defend myself or open up a discussion before my posts are taken down again. It was funny the first time, and... (laughs) And maybe the second time. And perhaps even the third time. But at this point, Facebook is silencing my voice, fully removing me from the conversation they claim to be wanting to have about how they can improve their platform. Our voices are the most important thing we have. I don't have power over Donald Trump. I don't have financial influence over anything. I mean, I bought some gnocchi at Trader Joe's, so I guess I have financial influence over that, but that's not the point. The point is, I am being deprived of my voice on the most public platform we have, and at this point, it's not a mistake. It's not just one post taken down. It is a pattern of silencing my voice and voices like mine. And perhaps that's partially my fault for expecting a corporate entity to provide a truly democratic space. I have submitted my post for review from the community czar, or whomever, on Facebook, but probably it's the same shitty dude who declared my post hate speech in the first place. Alright, so on to our regularly scheduled programming. After months of people on the internet and, you know... Roman Polanski shaking their fists at the hashtag MeToo movement saying that it has gone too far, it has finally gone too far. Not because of the allegations that continue to come forward about men in entertainment, news, writing, politics. No, no. 
It's because a man swooped in and took the hashtag MeToo movement too far, and his name is Ryan Murphy. I feel like dragging Ryan Murphy in a public setting has been nine years in the making for me after I watched Glee for years and years as, like, an obsessed ex-girlfriend always wanting to, like, check up and see how it's doing and be like, oh yeah, it's still bad. I'm doing better than Glee. My problem with the direction that the TV show Glee went in aside, Ryan Murphy really stepped in it this week. News came out this week of a new Ryan Murphy project called Consent. It's in the very early stages of development. Who knows if it'll ever actually happen. That guy just throws ideas at the wall like half-cooked spaghetti to see what sticks. But the show would be an anthology show about the Me Too movement. The show would feature such prominent D-bags as Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Spacey, as well as something he calls a he-said-she-said encounter. So the beautiful thing about the hashtag MeToo movement has been that it has led to a new normal of women telling their stories in their own voices. And some women have done this through art and writing and other things like that, but the fact of the matter is, it's not Ryan Murphy's story to tell. And probably this is at least partially coming from a good place of wanting to amplify these people's stories of assault, harassment, and abuse of power. But it's hard to ignore the fact that this genius idea comes on the back end of a $300 million five-year contract that Murphy has made with Netflix this year. He will officially start working with Netflix in July. So this hashtag MeToo movement story will be told for profit by a man who, by the way, didn't have a single woman writer on the first two seasons of Glee while trying to deal with some pretty meaty women's issues along the way. The fact of the matter is, this is not his story to tell. Hundreds of people have bared their trauma in a very public setting recently to bring down some very powerful men. And there are plenty of others who have been scared into silence by their abusers. It is cruel to take these very fresh wounds and replay them on our TV screens for what, some gifts on Tumblr and a couple of Emmys? Besides, we don't need a TV show or a miniseries about this moment. We're living in this moment. We don't need it recreated on our screen when next week Ronan Farrow will surely have done more excellent and thought-provoking investigation into five more shitty dudes. And, my dear Ryan Murphy, what the fuck do you mean by he said, she said situation? You mean the shitty thing that people say to discredit women's stories? Are you going to write an episode intended to make us sympathize with the attacker or, even worse, someone falsely accused? Do you want us to step back and take a look at both sides? Because we've been telling the one side of the story for years. One side of the story was president from 1993 to 2001. One side of the story is president right fucking now. We don't need to hear these powerful men's side of the story. Our whole lives and a lot of your work and the work of television creators like you is his side of the story. And as a part of a $300 million deal, will you donate every cent of the profits of this TV show to the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund? Will you make sure every single one of your women performers are paid the same as their male counterparts? Are every single one of your contracts going to have an inclusion rider in them? And as I write this, uh, he did announce the other day that um, the profits from one of his TV shows, I think it's called Pose, will be going towards uh, LGBTQ um, organizations, which, I'm going to be honest, a little bit felt like damage control following everyone being upset about this consent TV show thing. Anyway, I mean, I commend him. It's important to give money to these things. It just, 
I don't know. I don't think it's bad to want to tell these stories. These are important stories to tell, but we have to be very careful about who gets ownership of these stories because these are sensitive topics and we don't want to babe.com them. And because we would be rehashing fictionalized versions of some people's most traumatic moments, we want to make sure it's done with care and accuracy. I don't think that that's something that can really be done only seven months after the initial Harvey Weinstein story broke. And I want to do this on the terms of the survivors, not on the terms of the guy who made Glee. It's a special kind of patriarchy that takes a movement that empowers survivors' voices and aims to profit off of it. Oh wait, yeah, it's called capitalism. Also, Harvey Weinstein controlled so much of the film industry for years, Matt Lauer was on our television every morning for years and years. These fucking guys are everywhere. Hell, they still are. We don't need to put them back on our televisions or computer screens right now, and maybe for a long time, or maybe, I don't know, ever? But we are finding out about new allegations against new men every morning as we wake up, hoping to just hear the birds tweeting outside our window, when all we get are tweets about the next shitty guy who is going to make some half-assed apology or categorically deny these allegations, and then maybe it's not time to make the TV show about it. Maybe it's not time to make the artistic document of the movement when the movement has barely begun. Don't tie a beautiful bow on this, because it's happening and it's fucking real. And that doesn't mean I never want to see these stories. Of course not. It is important that we continue to see these stories and that we celebrate these silence breakers. But there's just something so manipulative of taking the power of storytelling out of the hands of the people who broke the silence and told the stories in the first place and putting it in the hands of someone who already has a platform, someone who does not fully understand the nuances of the situation. And a lot of these people who have come forward... Uh, had their careers cut short or roadblocked by these people and want to be in one of these industries, and maybe this is their chance to break in. Storytelling is one of the greatest powers we have as feminists. Or at least that's what I keep telling myself to make me feel a bit better about my line of work, but I also truly believe it. It's what we have, and it's really important, and I'm just old Maggie McGuire, so I pulled a Lauren Duga quote to illustrate it. Quote, The patriarchy is built on our silence, but there is an undeniable feminist power in storytelling. If you can, speak up. Share your experiences of sexism, big and small. Take on the cost for all of the women who can't. Be aware of the forces working against you and feel righteous in your choice to defy them. It is in amplifying the female perspective that we will create a sea of change in our cultural conversation. By exchanging our personal narratives, we can build communities and bolster one another with reams of evidence that make the impact of the patriarchy impossible to ignore. As women in this country, our very existence is defined by the experience of everyday sexism. I don't know how to change that, but I'm certain that the solution starts with talking about it. End quote. And that is why it is so important that we have control over our stories. Not that someone like Ryan Murphy gets to turn it into some he said, she said fiasco. These are our stories, and it's fucking condescending to assume that we can't tell these stories on our own. That we need someone to come in and make an American consent story, Harvey Weinstein, for us. It's manipulative and shitty to take points of trauma and exploiting them for your own gain. I'm not just talking about the Me Too movement. I'm looking at you, 13 Reasons Why and Dear Evan Hansen. 
when you're taking on bigger, darker, deeper stories, you need to take on the responsibility that comes with that. This isn't American Horror Story sideshow or whatever. These are our real goddamn lives. And they're not just writing room fodder for you. Sometimes a cultural moment doesn't need your input. Sometimes you can just sit back, eat, pray, love, and shut up. Ryan Murphy directed Eat, Pray, Love. That's that's what that was. Garbage, garbage. Oh, we got garbage up in here. And now for our weekly segment, Sifting Through the Trash, where I find something in my trash can more qualified to be president than Donald J. Trump. Oh, gross. Oh, well, it's allergy season, y'all. It's a lot of a lot of tissues in there, but every single one of those tissues is more qualified to be president than Donald J. Trump. And for our other segment, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do, Megan, where I answer that very question? I think the number one thing we can do is listen. Listen to survivor stories, trust them to tell their stories, believe their stories, and don't get tired. Don't get complacent because it is exhausting. But as we were reminded this past week with supposed feminist ally Eric Schneiderman, these men are everywhere. These are stories that still need to be told and we can't treat it as like, ugh, another one. We have to think about it as, yes, another one, of course, another one. We have to continue to hold these men accountable. Because it may be exhausting to listen to these shitty stories over and over again, and it's traumatizing and it's hard, but we need to listen to these stories to make change, and we need to continue to fight in order to make real change happen. And no other man is allowed to get into a position of power assaulting, harassing, and silencing people around him. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I don't know. Um, please follow me on Twitter, at Miargan. Uh... Or um, on Instagram at Maggie underscore McG. Um, check me out at WordPress, mcguirmegan.wordpress.com. I also have a thing coming out next week that I'll post on some of those places that I'm very excited about. I won't post it on Facebook for obvious reasons. Um, again, I'm going to put it out there. If uh, you have something you really want to talk about, some trash, you really want to talk about something, I would love to talk with you or just listen to you talk. Um, as much as I love ranting into my mic in my bedroom, I would love to be having conversations and getting different perspectives and having different points of view and telling different stories because, you know, storytelling's important. Theme. Anyway. <laughs> This may not have been an hour, but it was garbage. Listen to women, believe women, trust women, and trust women to tell their own stories. Bye.